You're listening to Were You Still Talking? Hit record again. Whoo! <laughs> oh, that was close. I almost didn't hit record. Hey, welcome back. This is Joel Albrecht, and you are listening to Are You Still Talking? And with me today, I have Amy Lyle. I remembered her name, so that is good. And we are actually starting over because... She's written a book called The Book of Failures, and we had a bit of a fail. It turns out that, um, well, after we did a whole podcast, and then she asked me about her sound, and is the sound really terrible? And and uh, as a, a, a nerd, I started telling her things she could do for her sound, and she realized that she had a really nice microphone in her cupboard <laughs> that she hadn't plugged in. So now the, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm now so the sorry. Is that one of your sponsors? You could you could use sponsored by yeah. Blue. No, it's not one of my sponsors. No, maybe you have to get a hold of them. So <laughs> but this, it could be. but it could be. It could be. So Amy Lyle yes. is an author. She is a comedian. She is a writer. I said author, writer, same thing, and she has her own show, which is called The Burbs, and it's uh, produced locally. And it goes all over the world and has actually a pretty big following and in, in, um, is about, uh, largely it's about um, women. It's about women and, and about life women. in the burbs. Our motto is, we may be out of the city, but we're still in your business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds like that's been the motto for the suburbs forever, right? That, that's, <laughs> that's, right. I think that's a very old suburb. That's probably yeah. been around since World War II. Well, that's fantastic. And how, like, how did that get started? I'm going to try and remember all the questions I asked on our first <laughs> podcast. Okay. Yeah, how did this started. start? How did this start? So the podcast started, I was on a book tour for the Book of Failures, available anywhere you buy books. And um, <laughs> I was so lucky to get picked up by a local uh, television, WXIA in Atlanta, Channel 11, Atlanta and Company. And, you know, you get your three minutes on their show. And they said, oh, do you want to stay for the last segment? It's like a round table, kind of like The View, but really nice ladies not talking about politics. But, you know, it's usually women's issue parenting and stuff like that. And um, I said, sure. And I went on the show and that was in May of 2017. And now I've been on the show almost every other Tuesday since 2017. They're just so nice to me. And they just kind of have a Rolodex that they, you know, they need guests every single day. Wow. That's and so great. They, they roll me through there and it's really fun. So from doing that, um, another local group, um, it's called UI Media, was like, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? And then they uh, started saying, hey, our, one of our co-hosts is out. Would you like to, to sub for them and, and start hosting and be a, a co-host? And then eventually that led to the, like, would you want your own show? And um I did want my own show until I tried to write and do my own show. And then I realized I was not David Letterman with a staff of 25 and I couldn't do it. And so um, I ended up getting a co-host, Gina Riles. And it's, we've been having so much fun. So it's an hour long talk show. Oh, it does go an hour. That's something I didn't ask you before. So that's yeah. great. And yeah. you have, you do, you have guests that. Yeah, we have guests. We do a lot of um, creatives, authors, uh, but we also have business people. A lot of the, the people that watch our show have like a side hustle or they own their own business. And so uh, sometimes we have, you know, time management or how to exploit sexual, um, social media to the fullest. Or That's funny. That was an yeah. interesting uh, a uh, slip I, you almost did. I know. Exploit sexual. What? I think we're. <laughs> What are, is that a new kind of sexual media? Social media? Is there a new, the is there something I don't know about? That when we were doing the show before, the microphone, Joel and I were talking about this show wanted me to host, and I didn't know until I showed up at 6.30 in the morning that they had a prostitute on the show, and we were actually discussing how I did not want to exploit somebody, you know, in that field, and, you know, they'd been sex trafficked or as a prostitute or whatever. So I think that was still on my mind. <laughs> that was it, yeah. That Explain must be it. social media. That's what I meant. <laughs> oh, that is a hard one to say, actually. That's a really hard one to say. And you, you, uh, in order, before you started this show, you wrote two books. Uh, yes. What is the full title of the first one? It's not just called Book of Failures. It's, oh, I thought, a, I wanted a title that when people read it, they said, 
that lady has probably had some problems. So it's called the Amy Benegar Chemist Lyle Book of Failures. There it is. Here's the back. <laughs> Just so you know, Joel, even my butt cheeks have been photoshopped. So, okay. <laughs> so was that real or was that, did, did you do that for the book? I mean, did you show up for the photo shoot and that actually happened or did no, I, it was based on a story. I mean, every, okay. every woman has done that before, right? Where they tuck their oh, skirt into their, their spanks or whatever. And so we just reenacted it. Oh, okay. The and then the second book is We're All a Mess, It's Okay. Here, I'm going to show you. And here, you know what, Joe? We'll talk about something else. See this alpaca? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That is a real alpaca that I paid for from Atlanta Animal Casting. Oh, and wow. I thought of it like a couple days before doing the photo shoot, like what would be funny and interesting and weird to have on set. And at the same time on social media, there was this darling viral video about um, alpacas going into schools or senior citizen centers or hospital, almost like dogs, like golden retrievers, you know, they lower your heart rate. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, comfort. Animals comfort animals. Wrong. That's comfort right. Animals. Yeah. And so somebody on Facebook actually said, um, you should get an alpaca for your next book for the cover of your book. And I was like, I will. And I'm in North Georgia and you're not going to believe this, but there are llama and alpaca stuff like that farms north of me, like a couple hours. So I got on the phone and started trying to find a llama or an alpaca. And I'm not kidding you. The conversations were so funny around that people were like, yeah, you can come up here. And actually their voice was kind of like, yeah, you can come up here and bring your friends and take some pictures with that, with the llamas. And I was like, no, 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 you have to bring the llama to the studio. Right. It's a photo pictures. shoot. And they're like, well, we don't have no trailer. Or they'd say, you know, we don't have no traveling llamas. I was like, oh my gosh. So at the last minute, somebody wow. recommended Atlanta casting. And they're like, we'll do that for $2,000. And I'm like, I'll give you 500 bucks. And they're like, okay. So okay. Um, that, that alpaca was on its way to wow. South Georgia for like a, an Avengers movie. Like that llama was on its way to be in, its, in a movie. And it, you know, stopped by the photo shoot for an hour prior. So that's why they gave you the deal. Well, we're, we're taking it out anyway. We're, going, we're putting heck? it in the trailer yeah. anyway. And what about a lizard? Do you want a lizard? Was it... <laughs> iguana yeah exactly you need a tortoise i don't know i don't know what kind of animals they had no tigers no my tigers. guess is they have almost everything well that's interesting you mentioned that the last person i had on the show worked with tigers and it was it was he well he's a wonderful man he uses um big game and small game to help people with stress it's a very unique program that he does but um I have seen the Tiger King, so it was, you know, it was like, I gotta ask, and thankfully he hadn't seen the Tiger King, and we got, a, we got over that subject very quickly, but it was kind of nice to have someone who is not, who's part of that industry, but understands um, that it, you know, can be a terrible industry, and he's using, yes. really, these are rescued animals, They're, they treat them as good as they possibly can, and uh, and they help people. They help. So they're they're therapy animals, basically. It's a, it, there's a whole um, it's a whole foundation. But uh, I That's digress. Nice. Yeah, this it was. Alpaca really was uh, not a therapy animal, Joel, and he it, was a kicker. He was a kicker. Okay, and, did it spit, uh, actually, though? she was a lady. She it was she, a lady alpaca. And then um, Becky Robinson, my neighbor, she's in PR. She said um, she's like, look at this, and she had taken you know, these great clean shots in the studio. Mm -hmm. And then she has that software that makes, makes them talk. And so oh. it was hilarious. So then I had my <laughs> friend, Chris Corso, who is a voiceover guy. Uh -huh. And he had this, he sent me all these funny voices. It was like a British, very formal, you know, alpaca. And then, you know, it, it was almost, it was hilarious. So he ended up doing kind of a South American accent where he's, and we, we he called himself Santiago and he was like, uh, we're all a mess. It's okay. It's very, very, very funny. And he, and he would, you know, tell a story about, you know, this, this book made my mother like me better. And then at the end of all the videos, he would say, I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> so can, and, we're, 
Are these videos up somewhere? Are they on Facebook? Yeah, you can yeah. go. I think a yeah, couple, are, of course, are on, you know, if you go through social media, I, you know, I, I post them on there once in a while. But they were really funny, and it was a way, you know, you're in this business too, so it was a way to bring attention to the book without saying, like, buy my book, buy my book. It was just, like, a funny way to kind of keep it in front of people. Oh, yeah, and, um, yeah. It really worked. I, to this day still get like alpaca socks, um, glasses, oh <laughs> uh, pajamas, <laughs> pencils. Like people send me paintings of alpacas because they think I love alpacas, which I do, but like that's not why I had it on the, on the cover. So I thought that was kind of a funny story. That's, that's a hilarious story. It's interesting because in or I live in alpaca country. I mean, not, oh, wow. it, it's not naturally that way, but they're, they're, you know, Oregon used to be, I'll say the I-5 corridor. Certain segment of Oregon used to be a lot of hippies. I don't know if you've ever heard that about Oregon, but it was no. like, yeah, <laughs> there's kind of a lot of hippies around here. So um, the same thing happened to most of, there's still a lot of hippies, but same thing happened to most hippies in Oregon. It's happened to all of them. They turned into yuppies. Well, yuppies want to have farms and they want to have nice little animals and you know, they thought getting an alpaca or a llama, that that's a really, they're such cute little animals and that's a really good way to make some money, you know, maybe, maybe we could sustain ourselves with this. And, you know, it's like the one out of 10 of them probably worked. Most of them have a, <laughs> about 10 alpacas or llamas and they, they like them, but I it's not exactly. I love all the animal, like, um, you could have an alpaca. My a, a girlfriend's daughter recently got married and they had llamas or alpacas at the wedding. Oh, yeah. Just add an element. And then uh -huh. down the street from me in Milton, Georgia, there's a woman. It's a, oh, it's an impeccable, impeccably beautiful farm. And she has goat yoga. Oh, she does? Oh, my and gosh. It's magical. You would and not believe that. Are like, that. I'm sure you have it all over the place in Portland, but there's a few places here. It was so fun and they she didn't have any baby goats at the time uh -huh. it was just grown-up goats but they're so inquisitive and they come right it was i i just i don't know it was something i don't know how i'm terrible at yoga anyway so it just kind of made it fun and we had mimosas and it was like a launch celebration so i love all the stuff with animals i love animals it's sweet <laughs> goat yoga is just so bizarre and it it also it, it actually started right up the road for me. The oh, I believe this, it. This lady started it, and I think a video got out of her doing it, and if, now, boom, it's exploded. I mean, you know, what's it take to do goat yoga? Well, you get some baby goats, you know, yeah. all, these yo all these people already taught yoga, and there's nothing like a baby goat. I don't know. They're so cute. They jump yeah, they around. Are, they are so cute. I know. She had yeah. bunny rabbits and chickens and... She did not have an alpaca, but she had a lot of um, other stuff. It was it was a lovely day. I don't think people could afford to do that as a regular. It's kind of a novelty. It was like fifty or sixty bucks. You're not going to pay that much to go to a yoga yoga class every week or whatever. Some people go to yoga every day, but for right. you know, a, a treat or someone's birthday or whatever, it was it was it's really fun. They seem to be filling up. They seem to stay full. <laughs> <laughs> so to, let's uh let's talk about the burbs how um you have a partner with that i don't think we got around to how that actually started you because we got sidetracked on the photo shoot <laughs> oh no okay sorry uh okay so in the burbs my co-host is gina riles mm -hmm. and uh, she always wanted to be in broadcasting her whole life and her dad said no you're going to be a teacher so it was a teacher for many years and then a super mom call her super mom and she's like a you know fitness instructor and stuff and uh, she was my tennis partner and she had actually asked me a couple times she's like let's do a, a a show and let's call it coffee talk and you're just out of our, our house or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, we just never got around to doing it. And so then when UI media said, you want to do a show, I was like, yeah. And, and Gina and I, it's like, we're friends, but we're not, uh, we don't have the same views on everything. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, we're just the way we raise children is so differently. Our lives are very different. I think that makes good for co-hosts. We don't agree on everything. Right. And uh, she has a great circle of friends that she pulls from as, as guests. Like she's friends with, um, Karen White, who's a New York times bestselling writer. And she lives right, right here in Atlanta. And, um, and it's been really fun. And you, you know, you know, cause you're doing this by yourself. It's kind of nice to have two people promoting the show. And two people, you know, going after sponsors and two people coming up with ideas. It's, it's really nice and collaborative and we get along 
so beautifully and she's she's coming around you know she hasn't been doing tv that much um but now you know we're into our second season about halfway through our second season and you can just see her kind of blooming and coming alive and getting more comfortable because at first you know you're, you're you got the teleprompter and you're, you're worried about the mic and you know there's people in front of you there's big lights you know it's it's a lot going on and oh, all yeah. the technical stuff of zooming someone in or going to commercial break or coming back from commercial break so you know, now we're getting in the groove of it and it's getting, it's getting more and more fun. Well, I, I've been watching, I watch a, a small show called The Today Show that's on once a day. <laughs> Actually, my, my wife watches it. I almost said my girlfriend. We got married recently. Ah, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's quite a story. I could talk about COVID weddings. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> strange, strange deal. So anyway, um, on the Today Show, they have this weatherman named Al Roker. I yes. don't know if you've ever heard of him, yes. but he is proving, and I think this is unfortunate for the people who produce these shows, he's proving that you can do the show at your house with um, <laughs> three cell phones and a couple laptops. He's doing his segments now that look every bit as good as, as they always did, and he's really into Mac products. So he has three iPhones, maybe four, and a couple laptops and you know he uses one for a teleprompter he uses one for his his uh, prompter so he can see what's going on he's using ca his cameras are just iPhones he has a giant uh, monitor that they must have sent him from the studio and it's just like wow that, <laughs> that he's just doing that he's just in it it's it's wild well, that, for someone that's that big a, a positive thing i've seen that on all the major news channels right you can mm -hmm. tell they're shooting out of their house, which is so cool. But I, um, one positive thing that came out of this is like my husband, we live in the, we, we do live in the burbs and he was, he's been driving to downtown Atlanta for, you know, his whole career. And, um, he would get up at five, he leaves at six to get into, you know, or it, it would be traffic, uh, horrible. And, what his office has found out and they're very traditional. You come in, it's like, you know, IBM, you wear a tie and, you know, very strict. And what they discovered is everybody is equally as productive working from home. Everybody is equally as productive. They've, they've realized they don't need as much staff. They realize, you know, you know the money that they spend on this beautiful uh, building. They probably need half the space that they do. You know, they could have people. And they found out, they're like, when I'm in the office, I pretty much just call you anyway. <laughs> You're not exactly. getting up and going over. It's like, I'm just calling you. So why can't I just call you from home? And so, you know, when he has to go to appointments anyway, it, it's just amazing, like the gas and the wear and tear in your car and dry cleaning and going out for lunch. I mean, all of that really adds up. And so that's been a benefit. So right now they're only going back in two days a week. And then oh, that's great. My, yeah, my three days a week. Uh, my wife works for a major university and it's the same thing. Um, she's actually about to retire. So it's really bizarre because, you know, they went home overnight. It was like, okay, we're all, this, this is it. Right now, we just got the word, we're going home, we're going to work from home. And we went back in twice, I think, to pick up a couple things. We grabbed her computer so that she could work easier. But she is definitely, she's actually working a little bit more, a little bit more hours, but she's getting more done because there are no interruptions. And the yeah. job she has is a lot of scheduling and a lot of technical stuff. So she's, she's literally getting more done. So yeah, everyone is going to make all kinds of adjustments. Now she works in the art department. So for the students, it's not so great. It's very right. difficult to take a remote art class. That's really yes. hard. And they're trying to figure out how to change that, how to make that better. Um, yeah. A little side but note. People are finding out you live in, I mean, Portland's very expensive. Downtown Atlanta is expensive, but imagine, you know, LA or San Francisco or New York city, you know, Manhattan. I mean, I, I, it is, that's a topic that's coming up. Like you don't have to live there for a lot. If you're in a restaurant, you have to live there, but otherwise for a lot of jobs, it's been proven. Now you don't have to go in, you could work remotely. And so imagine the change that could have on like the housing prices or the quality of the air. Like it could have a big profound impact of not having all those cars in the road. So it's kind of exciting. I hope that, I hope that this takes, hold and companies realize like we don't have to have such a large footprint and you know people can as long as they're productive you can work at home come in a couple times a month or whatever 
It'll be really interesting to see what happens. I've been, um, I'm a big fan of aviation, so I've been watching this helicopter pilot who his job was uh, inter, um, doing car reviews. He was a car reviewer, and he put the car reviews on YouTube. I'd never heard of him when he did that, but he started flying around L.A. and showing people what it looks like during the, the uh, oh, COVID-19 sure. crisis. And so it's a very small helicopter that he just flies. I don't know if he rents it or is, if it's his, but um, it, it's just stunning because I lived in L.A. for 11 years. So when he flies over certain freeways, I know exactly where he is and exactly what it should look like at 6 in the morning. He flies at like 6, 7 in the morning. And uh, not only is it a shocker about what the freeway looks like, but also that you can see the hills all around L.A. You can see, you know, from downtown, you can see the Hollywood sign. From Long Beach, you can see down. It's just, it's mind-boggling. So, you know, let's hope that there is some movement to to keep keep some of that in place. I mean, people in L.A. must be loving it because L.A. is gorgeous if you take the pollution away. I mean, it's gorgeous with the pollution because you get these amazing sunsets, but when you, <laughs> when you take the smog away, it, it's a beautiful area. You know, it, it's beautiful. It's kind of eerie though, isn't it? The pictures you, you see of the Vatican, which obviously, you know, very busy every day or, you know, the city streets of Manhattan. Um, I was able to, um, be introduced to Eddie Brill. Eddie Brill is a famous comedian. He used to open for Letterman for 17 years. So he posts these beautiful pictures on Instagram all the time. And it's just so serene. And he's in Brooklyn or wherever. And it just, it's, it's like, you're, you're never seen, you've never seen places desolate before. And it's kind of eerie and kind of beautiful. And of course I want it to, you know, people need the tourism business and people, I want to go visit places but you're right. It is. If we could take away some of that, it would be really good for the environment, which would be great. Yeah, it would be something, and it definitely is eerie. And we um, we try and go for a walk every day in my neighborhood, which even as a, I'm actually in Eugene, not Portland, so it's a smaller town, but it's busy. In you know, there's there's a lot of people driving around normally. So we've been walking for a couple, a couple months now, and it's been. I mean, you don't even have to look for cars. There are a few people <laughs> driving, but you know, you don't think about it. So the last uh, week or two that we've been reopening, which personally I think is a little nuts, but uh, and it's proving already proving in the numbers that eh, okay, reopen. It's not going to be good. Anyhow, it's but weird. We can't- that we- Forever, Joel. We can't. It's true. Forever. I mean, it's no. ruining small businesses. Yeah. Some of them will never yeah. come back. Even major department stores will never come back. And so I don't know what we should do. Absolutely protect protect people that are at risk with that. But it's just like we can't just close the country forever. No, we can't. The difficulty yeah. is not reopening at all. The difficulty, and we have a lot of them in Oregon, is what I call COVIDians. <laughs> people who don't understand that it's not political to wear a mask and to protect other people. It's not, it, that should not be political. But then meanwhile, in Atlanta, I see people wearing like, masks when they're in the car by themselves. I'm like, what, who are you protecting yourself from? Well, you see that here too, but it's because we have really bad allergies. We have, <laughs> we have grass allergies. So a lot of people wore masks anyway, but. I don't think about yeah. that. We have bad allergies here. Oh, now okay. I just assume I was like, what are you doing? You're in the it, car by yourself. It could be that. It could be that. <laughs> it's possible. And, um, you know, I, my wife works at a university where there's a lot of Asian students. They would wear masks when they got the flu. You know, they've, sure. they've always worn masks. It's part of the culture. If they got sick, they would wear a mask so they wouldn't make other people sick, which is, which is yeah. really interesting. But, but yeah. there's this, this uh, movement to resist that. Like it's somehow, uh, well, yeah, uh, crazy. <laughs> so back to your part of the world. Say, like um, the, the founder of uh, Peach is a clothing line. Janet Krause said, masks are going to become like mittens and gloves. Right. Because now we've grown accustomed to it. So now maybe during the flu season, maybe that curve will go down faster because people are like, wait a minute, this flu season. Oh, okay. I'm going to protect myself from that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Well, well, I would hope. I would hope that, that, I mean, that's how it should be now. And like I say, the only reason that the numbers are spiking is because people, I mean, even when I watch protests in, in cities all over the country and all over the world, because this isn't just us, this is the entire world you see a lot of people who don't think they need to protect themselves or others. You're really protecting others. You're not protecting yourself. You're trying to protect others. And I've seen a lot of it. And 
um, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre it's thing. Bizarre. I mean, I totally, we could, you know, um, we have a friend that, that lived in Hong Kong uh, and uh, also have acquaintances, people, friends of friends who live in, live in Asian, Asian countries who did not close. They never close down because people will wear a mask. It, wow, it's a different really? call. Oh, yeah. It's a different culture. So in Hong Kong, if you wanted a coffee, you wear a mask. If you want to go out and get something to eat, you wear a mask. Otherwise, you don't go out and you don't get anything to eat. Like, period. Oh. The end. And here, um, people are looking at it like it's, um, you know, somehow disrupting their freedom, which is, I don't know, it's just bizarre. But that's how we could have never closed if people understood that there's ways to protect each other and there's ways to keep the spread besides social distancing, this country closed down and a lot of countries because, yeah. well, first we didn't have masks, honestly, America right. didn't have enough masks, even for medical personnel. So we certainly didn't have enough for yes. all of us. Uh, right. We are just now getting to a point where we probably have close to enough for anyone who wants to go out, but it's still, you know, it could be it could be fairly safe, um, comparatively safe, if everyone wore a mask. There's my rant from a podcaster, <laughs> not not a doctor, not a doctor. My um, <laughs> daughter and I got the opportunity to go to uh, Beijing a couple years ago, and my friend lives over there with her husband. They're expats, and she's like. Um, any any airfare that you get for under a thousand bucks is good. You know, grab the ticket if it's under a thousand bucks. So I kept mm -hmm. playing with the airfare, playing with the airfare. I was like, oh, oh. And then I realized that I had booked myself and my daughter for 18 days in China <laughs> with Kristen, which my friend Kristen's oh probably like, no, no, that's too long. But anyway, so I got to see a lot of China. What was interesting when you came into China is they, this was a couple of years ago, they take your temperature. And I didn't know that, but I wondered on the airplane, uh, people were taking aspirin or Tylenol on the plane. I was kind of like, you know, that's kind of weird. Well, mm -hmm. it's because if you have temperature, they won't let you in the country. And then you're right. Anywhere we went, this was three years ago. Right. Um, a lot of people had masks just because it's very smoggy there. Even on the Great Wall of China, when you're walking, I mean, it's hot. I mean, Beijing's a desert. It's very hot. And um, people had masks on. It is. It is. It was. It's been thought to be kind of a cultural thing from Asia. They were kind of ahead of the curve, I guess, on the masks. Well, they had a much worse case of bird flu than we did, and they've they've uh, had some other outbreaks that place. that we missed. And I don't know how we missed, but maybe yeah. because they controlled them. Um, but I didn't know they did that three years ago. Yeah. Why were? Do you know why they were taking temperatures? They just, they don't they want just, you to come in the country if you're ill. Wow. They that's like, amazing. Yeah. I didn't know. I was yeah. like, Kristen's like, well, take your, take your temperature. And my daughter, she is, um, she's like five, nine and you know, long blonde hair. And we would go to, um, you know, the summer palace and you know, all these, you know, Chinese, um, beautiful, beautiful, historically significant sites. And, um, I was taking pictures of the people take, it looked like paparazzi because a lot of people um, have never seen a blonde person in their entire life. They come from a little village in China and they're, you know, it's summer break and they're going to the, that's their vacation. They're going to the summer palace or whatever. And so I have, it's so funny. I have pictures of, you know, 20 people taking her picture. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's she's crazy. like, I love it here. <laughs> and it would be, some people would ask, they'd say photograph, photograph. And other moms would like shove their kids with her and then take a picture. <laughs> oh, wow. So she got to way, feel like a celebrity. She and, loved it. It was crazy. We had, such, we had such a great time. Such a, you know, such a great experience. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my friend Kristen, she speaks Mandarin, her kids speak Mandarin. So it was much easier to get around. Of course, they have like a driver. And if you live there, it's customary that you hire a driver and a housekeeper and a nanny and a gardener. And, you know, wow. they, they, the expats um, do a great job of employing a lot of people. And, you know, most Americans treat people very, very well. And it's a good partnership that they have with them. Mm -hmm. She recently should have moved to London due to COVID. Which she's not complaining about. <laughs> oh, she's okay with that. <laughs> yes. But she had to move to London? How how did that come up? I mean, how did that work? Well, they moved her. Aside. You know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I know she's not the... living. I know originally it was because of the virus uh -huh. she moved. And then now it's worked out where she's going to stay there. But they'd already been in China for like seven or eight years. 
And right. So they, were, they were ready to move. They loved it, but they were, they love that. They like to, to, to live in international places. They lived in um, Thailand. I mean, they've lived, you know, all over the place. So exciting for them. Yeah. Now I can go yeah, see yeah. her in London for 18 days. <laughs> nice. I'm just nice. Kidding. I haven't booked that yet, but you have I will. <laughs> uh, we talked what about else? We haven't talked about dogs. We haven't talked about dogs. Oh my you gosh. Yeah. Dog? And Since, what's it called again? What kind uh, of dog? Oh, well, this dog, we had a dog uh, oh, named Leslie, dog. Okay. and she was an Australian Kelpie. And we saw your dog on Instagram. I believe it was Instagram <laughs> chewing ice. And we thought, wow, that, that face. We know that face. But so, so what? He made, we just thought he was, he's a rescue. We thought he was like a shepherd lab, but it sounds like he could be some fancy dog. Well, Australian time. Kelpies aren't fan. I mean, they're not known very well in the U.S., but it's funny because we saw the way our dog also was a stray and was given to us when she was probably a year old. She was the sweetest dog in the world. We always thought she was the best dog in the world. And then we walk into a pet store probably to get pet food and yeah. uh, we see this book and it's got her face, literally has her face on it because <laughs> it's the same face as your dog, but with a little white spot on the chest. So it looks ah. almost identical to, and we thought she was some kind of, of um, you know, uh, shepherd, shepherd. Yeah. Some yeah. kind of shepherd or, or mm -hmm. something like that. And then the book was, I mean, literally her picture. And so we, I think it was on the back of the book. It says Australian Kelpies, the best dog in the world. <laughs> and you're like, that's <laughs> like, true. Wow, that is, yeah, that is her. It, so we have proof. We have that's actual right. proof. Yeah, so we have that dog, dog and then we have another rescue dog, um, Oliver. And he's, he's like, a, I couldn't think of his name. He's so ornery <laughs> and naughty. And he's a lab, maybe Rottweiler mix. He's got a big block head and he is wound up so sweet we sent him to boarding school for a couple weeks to because we still want him to jump on people when people come in he could hurt somebody he's very strong but he, right. he would never mean to hurt somebody he just wants to kiss you mm -hmm. and so um he is so sweet he sleeps like this you know <laughs> spread out so cute and then we have a um 16 year old dog cooper and he's a golden retriever and um that's pretty old 16 years old for a golden oh yeah retriever. yeah yeah so, he still he can't walk as far as he can, but we took him to the lake theater the other day and we put a life jacket on him. He swam. <laughs> he has he had, um, our dogs have uh, nice lives. They are, I treat them, they don't sass me, so I'm nicer to them than the children. <laughs> <laughs> they eat anything, you cook. <laughs> yeah, dogs are. They jump in the car without asking any questions. <laughs> They're the they best. Never, yeah, they're the best. They are the unconditional love that we, uh, a lot of us aspire to. And yes, it is. I don't know how people treat dogs bad. Some people do. I don't know how they do it. I don't understand. Don't no. understand it. Yeah. It's I don't either. One of my um, girlfriends in my county, Amy Comstock is her name. She, um, oh my gosh, has such a passion for, for dogs and does a lot of work in our community. And they have this big, um, it's called, the bark and boogie ball. <laughs> they do this big ball in the neighborhood and to raise money. And, and there's a restaurant in our neighborhood, uh, Cherry Street, and they do a huge event every year and all the, all the profits from the, their restaurant and bar from all mm -hmm. day goes to the Humane Society and the Humane Society you know, brings the dogs that haven't been adopted. And every year they always, all of them get adopted and it's just nice. I, I feel like I, I live in a very dog friendly area. People love dogs and, you know. So have you seen, I know in our area and I think in a lot of big cities, the, um, well, I know it's happened in Hawaii. The humane societies have emptied out. Have you heard about I, that? Yes. And they yeah. have pictures of it and it's, it's really amazing. And I, I hope that people, um, you know, can work I just hate it if they go back to work and then their yeah. puppies are at home for nine, 10 hours a day. Yeah. That's a little scary. It's, it is. Yeah. We hope they continue they can get a dog yeah. walker or something, you know, something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's so awesome that the shelters have emptied out, but, uh, and also it seems like people are going back to work slowly. Some people are not mm -hmm. going back to work ever. So hopefully they will continue to take care of the dogs or they'll, they'll have their kids do it. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Yes, well, that's, um, I love I love dogs. <laughs> yeah, we love dogs, 
And so does Ricky Gervais. So they must be good. <laughs> and so does who? <laughs> Ricky Gervais. Oh, Ricky Never Gervais. heard of him? Yes. He's he a comedian. Dogs. Oh, yes, you didn't know that? Funny. No, I didn't know he was a dog lover. Uh, he's a huge advocate for animal cruelty. Yeah. Oh, good. It's a, it's a big part of his personality. Yeah. He's always speaking oh. out against animal cruelty. Good. Yeah. As everybody should. As everyone should. All yeah. kinds of cruelty. Any well, kind of cruelty. Any kind of cruelty. Out. It's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stop the cruelty. Stop. Stop <laughs> the cruelty. Stop the cruelty. It makes me sad though, because usually the cruelty comes from somebody was very cruel to them. You know? That that's true. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true no matter who it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very it's break hard the to, cycle, Joel. Break it, the cycle. It's, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. Um this helps locking everyone in their house. <laughs> Doesn't you know what? No, it doesn't. On a serious note, it, it actually does not. If you have a family, exactly, that's a actually a very serious. Situation. I've heard that there's a the, yeah, there's been a spike in uh, abuse. Domestic, I bet. Abuse. Yeah. yeah, which that's awful. The minute that's I heard awful. that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's yeah. The last thing you want to do is is lock an abuser in with someone they're abusing. Children. Yeah. And, yeah, there may be um, an uptick in uh, murders. You know what I mean? Where if you were living with an abuser and they left every day to go to work and now you're with them every day, you may get to the point where you just hopefully leave forever or you end up having to fight back in a very dramatic way because mm -hmm. you can't, you know, live with that. So that's so sad. So sad. I hope people seek out. There are normally in most um, communities places you can go to protect yourself and your children. So I hope people do that. Yeah, I hope they do. That's not you know, funny at all. We're supposed to be talking about funny things, and that's oops. not funny. We got off book. <laughs> we, got, we got off book. Back to Back. comedy. <laughs> so, are you? Do you have plans for another book? Uh, first of all, actually, something I forgot to ask you in the failed podcast. I mean, <laughs> the first podcast is yeah. the uh, which will be released as soon as Amy gets extremely famous. Uh, so, any minute. Any minute. <laughs> Right. We talked a little bit about your books, but I wondered, like, how, what is, uh, what's it like? I've never written a book. I actually started a podcast because um, writing is not my thing. Like, a lot of people just, they write these big, long posts on social media, and they start a blog, and they do all the, I started a blog, and I realized writing is just not as fun. I can sit and talk for hours. So, what, like, what is your process? How long did it take you to write the first book? And it probably took from the day I started writing it until it was published a year, but that included, you know, content editing and the design of it and uh, proofreading and all that stuff. That probably took a year. I was, um, I, I kind of became obsessed with it. Like once I, um, I think that's kind of how you find your passion, right? You're doing something and all of a sudden you've been doing it for 12 hours and you're still like excited about doing it. Right. And, right. Um, and so I haven't always been a writer. Um, I used to be a corporate trainer and I had to do a lot of writing, you know, sales scenarios and, and manuals and stuff like that. But I think we talked about it earlier, right? The reason why I wrote the books was the Hollywood rejection and, um, and the, it's humor essays similar to like, uh, uh, Jenny Lawson or uh, Samantha Irby or Jen Mann. So they're, they're humor essays. And, um, so I kind of, you know, the first book, it was just, there was no order. It was, it was just like, oh, here's, here's a funny story about, you know, being in China, or here's a funny story about me falling down two flights of steps, you know, at my office building and my suit rolling up to my armpits, you know, or oh here's a funny story about this. So, um, humor essays are a little bit more, you know, manageable to handle, right? Because you can move them around easily and, and you're talking, you know, two to five pages per story. Versus I don't think I'd ever want to ta uh, tackle a novel. Even, even my screenplay that was 90 pages, it was just like, oh, if you change, you know, one thing in the front, then you got to change it on the, you know, the whole, the whole thing. That's why I'm really excited about the opportunity to write um, on, on the sitcom because it's 22 minutes. Like how much can you change it around? It's, it's interesting. It's funny that you say that because I, um, you know, I, I watch a lot of, behind the scenes stuff about different, different programs and different things. And, um, uh, normally the person who writes a sitcom, especially the creator works straight through from an, however many years it's on every day, all, all the time. 
I know that would be a dream job. Would it? Okay, that would be a dream. But not. I don't think that's the way it is now with streaming because you could you could put out ten episodes and then you decide when you're going to put out the next ten episodes. If you had a contract with NBC, that would be different. But the streaming contracts are very different. Like you remember, Game of Thrones went away for an extended period of time. Ozark went away for extended period of time. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. And. (laughs) Oh, that's driving me crazy. That I mean, I watch these. I'm a big fan of both of those shows you just mentioned. And you know, Ozark is filmed right here in Atlanta. Oh, is it really? I've always it wondered about filmed, that. Oh my gosh, it is the okay. If you're a big, this is going to test your trivia of uh, Ozark knowledge, Joel. <laughs> okay, okay. So remember the very sad scene of they were at the Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky farm. Remember that? Scene? Yes. With the okay. yes. With the horse. And um, that is my co-host, Gina Riles, that was filmed in her neighborhood. Oh, wow. That farm is in her neighborhood. And then up where my kids uh, were, they went to camp and they were little camp counselors when they were teenagers. Um, On, not Lake Burton, I can't remember what lake it is off the top of my head, but remember the opening scenes where they spend all the time in kind of like that fishing lodge. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yes. is there. And then uh, my daughter is one of her best friends. The, okay, remember the uh, politicians, the lake house, that giant lake house? Oh, yeah, that yeah. That's one of my girlfriend. That's one of my daughter's best friends at homes. Oh, you're kidding. No. And so it is filmed all over Atlanta. And the, they let someone uh, film in their house? Oh, and let me tell this. I didn't know this. You get paid, this is the wages of that. If your mortgage is 10 grand a month, they pay you 10 grand a day. Wow. I just, I've, a, I've heard a few horror stories about what happens to a house when they, when people you film know what? them. They but, said it's you know, been great. They said it was great. great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, it, I've heard, I mean, that the, the producer, director, star is, um, I've heard nothing but amazing things about him. So he, he probably makes sure. Oh, Jason that, Bateman? Jason Bateman, yeah. Oh, I know. I, I'll, Big fan. Living Big here fan. and people that know, you know, I don't know him, but people have met him or whatever. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about him. He's, he seems like a nice, nice guy. You should get him on your show. Sure. You should get him on your show. And the burbs, Jason Bateman. Jason come on. Bateman. You're filming in the, the burbs. Woman? It's not Laura Dern. Who's his, who's he married to in that show? Laura. Oh, I can picture her. But I anyway, can... she's, she's phenomenal too. I think she's Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Everyone in the show is very talented. Yeah. The, the new face that's there, you know, the girl who works for them. Uh, I wish I knew her the, with the curly hair. She's, oh, I love she's her. amazing. Yeah. Ruth, my kids Ruth, and I. Yeah. Talk in the Ruth Langmore. If you had to, the other day on Twitter, I posted, if you had to pick two characters that you were, that you know you are, I picked uh-huh. Charlotte from Sex in the City and Ruth Langmore. <laughs> those are my two, <laughs> those are my two people, Charlotte and Ruth Langmore. I love her. She's so talented and she's so beautiful. She can morph into anything. I mean, she's in that rough, you know, trailer park environment and, you know, her language. And then she's in a princess movie and she just looks so beautiful. She's and, yeah. so, so talented. Yeah, I saw her in something else and it took a long time to recognize her. It's like, oh my gosh. There she that, is. That's a girl from Ozark. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, Incredible what a fun role. What a fun role for her to play. She's just yes. and everybody around and, oh, I can't wait for it to come out. She's probably and, English. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Is she <laughs> it just seems sure. like every everyone you see on on a show like that who's tra- playing a trailer park person did, with that accent, <laughs> then you see him in an interview. Well, yes, I quite like the role. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she's acting. <laughs> the trailer said it's a crowd. I don't know. And then they were beautiful. picking on her about her accent. And I don't know anything about a Missouri Ozark accent because I, I don't know it. But it mm-hmm. sounds very very convincingly kind of redneck to me. Well, I'm guessing, I mean, she seems really like someone that would work on that a lot, you know, yes, put a lot somebody, of work into it. Somebody was picking on her yeah. and I was like, how dare you? I think she's fabulous. Well, it's interesting because <laughs> I, any, and I think any accent you do as an actor, especially on a show that successful, someone is going to pick on you. I mean, I, yes. I saw people um, putting down the queen. Uh, what's that called? The crown. crown. Putting down the crown 
for their accents. It's like, oh, well, for one, you don't know what they spoke. You really don't know what their accent was because you probably haven't even seen film of them or heard them on tape. And for two, it's going to be exaggerated. It's a TV show. You know, you're going right. to learn. It, they, that's a good you lesson. Know. You know, you probably have a lot of listeners that are creative, right? Like yes. you and they're yeah. getting ready to write a book or do a podcast or whatever. And that's something that you and I can both share awards of wisdom is um, no matter what you do, somebody's going to criticize it. And I was so hurt, you know, because I, when I wrote the book of failures, my intention was of course to say, look at all these failures that I've had. And I'm able to see the funny and the failures. Now I believe like Joan Rivers, you know, tragedy plus one week equals comedy. And um, oh, that's, yeah, that's good. You know? and, I remember that. Right. And it was to lift people up to say, you know, you get up another day and it's hard to be a stepmom and it's hard to be married and it's hard to juggle all that, but you get up the next day and you try to do better. And that was the whole intention. It's kind of like if I can survive, I, you know, the theme, the theme of the book is, um, I am not a failure. I'm just having a little bit of trouble right now. That's the theme of the book. Uh -huh. And, and people, I was just shocked. Like somebody wrote me, this really had a lot of expletives you know, email about, you know, you live in the suburbs, you don't, you don't know what it's like to have failure. You, you know, you go on vacation, you know, and it was just like, did you see the cover of the book? Like I'm, it's, I look like a woman that lives in the suburbs. You know, I don't, I'm not in a meth lab writing the book. And, um, um well, wait a minute. I don't think we can tell that. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, not, studio. I no. can't see what's on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Just within grasp. No. And so it did hurt my feelings. But then later, this is my thought on this. This is my advice, my two cents. I don't know much about anything, but I'm going to give advice on what I've learned is, you know what? Um, I don't like every actor and I don't like every book and I don't like every song. Now I'm, I'm a type of person that if I, if I don't, if I love it, I'm going to, you know, tout about it. But if I don't love it, I'm probably not going to say anything at all, but I'm kind of like, that's their opinion. And, and maybe I caught them in a bad day. And all I can do is reply is, Hey, my book was in, the intention is to lift women up. And um, if it didn't work for you, return the book. And I'm, and I'm sorry. You know, like, that's all you can do. You cannot please everyone. And as my friend Carla said, uh, that woman, she kept trying to engage with me. And she's like, you know, um, there's this funny saying. It was like, go after me once, something, something. And it's like, go after me twice. You're a fan, bitch. <laughs> it's like. That's true. If you don't like me, but you're sending me this email, like, and then on in the, in the sixth chapter, and then in, uh, in the chapter 57, and then in chapter 75, I'm like, oh my oh, gosh, wow. if you hate this book so much, why do you keep reading it? Just return it to Amazon. So, or Barnes and Noble or Walmart or wherever you got it. So anyway, that's my two cents is that's if you're doing something creative, you're going to ruffle feathers, even if your intentions are are super good and honorable. You're just going to catch somebody in a bad day. And all you can do really is wish them well and be like, gosh, I hate it that that person is in such a bad state of mind that mm -hmm. they misinterpreted you know, my intentions. I think that's really good advice. I mean, there's a couple things that, about that story that I love. Well, for one, if someone is commenting that much on something you did, it means you're successful. I mean, it means a lot of people are watching it because not that many people comment. Another thing that we're seeing in that um, a podcast, I, I watched a podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it, the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> that, that, it's a little, 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 it's little podcast. Little and it inspired me to do a podcast, him and Kevin uh, some, I forget the, the name now, a director talking about how easy it is to do a podcast. Uh, so one thing that he says over and over again, um, and that is, that is very true about um, being, in the, being in the spotlight, which I'm not that I'm in the spotlight, but uh, as someone like you who is in the spotlight and whose show is growing and growing and growing, one of the best things you can do is ignore the comments. That's that's something that you really got to work on. Uh, you you know you're doing good work. Don't it's not it's not about what every single person comments about. The vast majority of comments um, on social media are negative. I mean, it's just how it is. I don't know why it is that way. I would love to start a movement to just have positive. You know get more positive things on social media. Yes. Uh, like right now, there's there's a positive social change going on. It's all over social media. 
Um, but you're still going to get a lot of negative pushback. You, you're just you're going to get a ton of negative pushback. And the interesting thing is that a lot of the people putting out positive work are are you know blaming social media for all these different things. When in fact, without social media, this movement wouldn't be happening. I don't I don't think it would be as big as it is now. But that's that's the key anyway to when you're doing creative things. Um, ignore the comments yeah you got to do the best you can and if somebody has something creative to say i'll say oh gosh you're right um you know um a publisher uh my books are self-published i was somebody introduced me to a publisher and um you know she's like well i think that these three stories are offensive and i said you know what i had two content editors and the, the truth is these people told me these stories that they were almost murdered on a date or they almost, you know, this happened on vacation. And you know what? You're right. It was tragic and dangerous. They thought when it was happening, but 10 years later, it's not 10 years later, they can talk about the funny part of that date and how weird the person was and, and this, and, you know, and whatever, or, um, all the things that life that happen. I mean, I do not like censorship. I, I, don't, I don't want somebody to be racist or I remember um, one time I was at a comedy club and literally the guy only to, told jokes about raping women and putting, fitting them. He buys cars based on how big the trunk is because he can fit them in there. And I was like, okay, I'm offended by that. I guess there's a market for that somewhere, but you know, I'm not going to pay to go see him in a club, but um, I don't like censorship in, um, in comedy or anything. But, you know, you just, you put the best thing you, if you hurt someone's feelings, you tell them you're sorry, but if your intentions are honorable, you got to move on, say sorry, and I'm going to move on. You know, that's all you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, yeah. I'm not it's, taking it's, the stories out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, right. so, I'm okay. Well, then I'm not, I'm not for you. And that's, that's fine. I mean, it would, it would have been great to have representation. <laughs> <laughs> someone is going to be offended by everything they it, are it doesn't matter what you do and you know i really want to reiterate if someone's offended by it it means you're getting it out there it, it means a <laughs> lot of people are seeing it if no one's offended by it it's because no one's seeing it so yeah, yeah and that's true you say that what's shocking to me is you see like a youtube video or something and it has a million views. And normally, statistically, you would probably know this more than I do, but statistically, it seems about 1% take the time to even push the like button. Like 1%. And, and so when you write a book, I mean, I've sold thousands of books and have, you know, 250 reviews or whatever. So for 250, I've only gotten 250 reviews and have sold, you know, thousands and thousands of books and so very few people so it's like a restaurant review people either love it or they they hate it and so most of them are like five star one star <laughs> right right yeah. and, and, and a, lo- mm-hmm. a lot of people that write reviews and a lot of people that write comments uh it seems to be more on youtube than anywhere but a lot of people want to put something down so they write a review to put it down. So it, it's tough because when I go to buy a product or when I go to look at uh, is this restaurant any good and I see the, the star rating, I have to go, oh, really, I really need to read this stuff. <laughs> what does it really say? And, and it turns out that, um, you know, this USB drive is terrible because it didn't get here on time. And I'm oh, like, what? Oh, what? what? Do oh, with the product? oh, so I got a review once and they're like, I don't like this book. Okay, my book is humor essays. It's short stories about everything. Humor essays. Someone's like, I don't like this book. I can't follow the storyline and there's no character development. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a novel. It's not, it's a, not novel. a novel. And then you're right. Somebody else had the books didn't come in time. The books didn't, the books didn't all, come in time. The writer should take care of that. The writer should take care of that. Because the books didn't yeah, come in time. I'm like, I'm not time. in charge of the shipping. No, the, yeah. Or that Amazon makes a my mistake, mind. you know, with something, the way the prints or whatever, it's a mistake. And it's like, just return it to Amazon. But you're right. I mean, yeah. you just, you got to move on. That's like you if the book the funny came I see the funny in it. I'm like, yeah, you must be really bored or lonely or sad that you have time in your day to write that. Or, or all of the above. Or nasty. Or all of the above. Or all of the above. You're yeah. sad. I am sad for you. I'm not even angry at those people. I'm sad that you're so miserable that you're like, I'm going to show him you laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this little writer in Atlanta. 
is self-published. I'm going <clears> to <throat> put her, I'm going to show her. Like, That's just it. Clickety, 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 click. <laughs> I got yeah. you. Clickety, clickety, click. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, well. And then I think you're right. About 1%. The bigger the video, the less response it seems to get. I mean, I have videos up that have very few views and still have some responses because, you know, I have a couple of people in my family. But they're, <laughs> but you even see it on cat videos. I swear to God, you'll see a cat video that's like, you know, a cat playing with a Roomba. And someone will have to say, something how That's they were safe. offended by it yes yeah exactly i'm not something. gonna lie i love seeing a cat on a roomba i think it's the most precious or a guinea pig really any animal that fits a small mouse a small dog a yorkie on a roomba is hilarious it's it's, it is hilarious okay wait one more thing on the book thing when you look at books or anything because i was like oh my gosh you know this has happened it's only four and a half stars instead of five i go to my favorite writers and then J.K. Rowling, you go to Harry Potter, you go to Tolstoy, war, you know, War and Peace, four stars. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's true. Great works yep. of literature. If you go on Amazon, none of them have five stars. None of them have five stars. If you're going to sell thousands and thousands, or in their case, millions and millions of books, some, it, it, you're just going to aggravate a certain population and so you gotta just um please people keep that in mind when you see a book and it doesn't have five stars read the positive ratings and take a look at the negative ratings but normally it's um just read the book i think you can read 20 percent of books you can read a lot free. yeah you can, you can you read can a lot of it through them a lot of them before you yeah. even have to buy them so go and read the first couple chapters and then if you love it buy it and if you don't love it return it <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why they have the return policy. That's it's why they great. have the return policy at Amazon. You can return anything. <laughs> you can return it. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, it, it, it is just, uh, it's absolutely nuts. And the, yeah, how to get oh, a five. Sometimes, you know, on, I, on Kindle, if you're an author and you give Kindle Amazon's uh, ebook arm, mm -hmm. exclusive rights, um, there's a benefit to that because you get paid on the page reads. Oh. You get paid on the Patriots. If you give them exclusive rights, if you don't uh -huh. give them exclusive rights, then you don't. But I gave Amazon, you can buy my paperback book anywhere, Walmart or barnesandnoble.com or whatever, but the ebook you have to buy on Amazon. And I think what happens is you can buy for $9.99 or something unlimited ebooks, right? And so I think sometimes oh, right. Right. people, if you have to buy a book, actually buy it. I think you're more discerning and, and, um, you, you know, before you hit, you really look into it. But if the books are free and it comes up, you may just start reading it. And so I think sometimes some reviews come up with like, that isn't my target audience anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like men seem to get really angry at me. When, like, I don't know why, but, um, but it's not, <laughs> it wasn't really made for them. You know, it was right. really, my book is really for women and lifting up women and, and whatever, but I don't know. And it's it's really um, that's really sad because there are no books out there for men. <laughs> men <laughs> you know, there's not. There's just there's none. none. I think they get mad. It's like they see book of failures and they're like, "You're not even a real failure." And it's like, that's what? The that's the point. It's like I fail in so many things, and things are really, really hard for me. And Murphy's Law follows me around. I'm dyslexic. I have ADD. I fall down a lot. But yet I'm here and I'm, you know, trying to pursue my dreams and, and trying to do a little bit every day and, and enjoy it. And so that's the message of it. Like you can live your dreams too. And there's going to be a lot of, of, uh, obstacles that you have to overcome. And I think sometimes people see like these YouTubers or Instagram stars and they're like, I'm going to be an Instagram star. And, um, you know, maybe they are 13 and something that they have is magical and it took off and they're a millionaire, but there's what that's one in 10 million. that's one no billion 10 billion people um, a right. billion youtube videos a day i want to put this out there for anyone who wants to be a youtube star i actually took the time um oh because i'm a youtuber they send me a newsletter once in a while sure. so they did an interview with the biggest youtuber on the youtube um he, he's literally <laughs> he, yeah he's got the most subscribers he's massive his stuff doesn't appeal to me whatsoever um right. Some of it does, but most of it uh, is just, I can't, maybe his name's Cutie Pie or something. I think that's it. But the thing is, the greatest thing about that interview 
was this kid started at 13 years old and he realized, I really want to do this. And so he worked on it. And then he realized, you know, people aren't really watching my videos, so I should probably do something more interesting. Yeah. And he worked on it. And then he went, well, people are kind of watching my videos now, but they look, they look terrible. So I should work on that. Yeah. yeah. Then he started making a few dollars by the time he was 15 or 16. He started getting paid for it. And he went, well, I'm just going to put that right back in my production and I'm going to make better videos. So, it, I mean, it's a really good lesson to this guy got so big because he tried really hard and he yeah. worked for hours and hours a day. Yeah. With People the support of his parents. Work. You got to put in some work. It's yeah. not, there's, you know, I don't think there's anybody that just did that accidentally. There's these, there's no. people that get a million views because they put a great cat video up. That happens. Yeah. This guy I gets, you know, love a cat video. I don't have a cat, but I love a cat video. <laughs> a dog video. Dog <laughs> video then. Yes, my girlfriend, Lee, her name's Lisa Odie. She has a, a beautiful, it's the most beautiful Instagram you've ever seen. It's baked goods. So it's beautiful <laughs> cakes and macaroons and it's uh -huh. beautiful. And she combined all her talent. She was, this is so funny, back in the day when she graduated from Florida State, she got a job with The Inquirer, actually putting, you know, the magazine, she was a graphic designer. So the headline and, you know, how oh the my magazine gosh. So she's got a beautiful... Oh, I know. Can you imagine? I can't imagine putting that on your resume. <laughs> I know. But she's a graphic designer. So she did that. Then she, this is a great story. You, you should interview Lisa. Then she was a steward on a yacht. And she had like, it wasn't Jeff Bezos, but it was somebody of that, like a, like a Silicon Valley type guy, tipped all the staff out, like thousands of dollars. And so she was able to go to cake school. That's what she wanted to do. So uh -huh. She did a professional cake business. Then she fell in love with photography. So that design and the baking and the photography is perfect for Instagram. Perfect right. Instagram. right. And so I think she has like 250,000 followers. Wow. And she built that in about three years. She was posting, it was like seven times a day. And even <sighs> if you're regramming, I mean, a lot of it is a regram, right? Because Still. Yeah, a lot of it's regramming because it's like, hey, I'm going to regram this beautiful cake that has a million followers. I'm going to tag them and maybe they'll reciprocate and they do. And um, it is an immense, immense of work. And now she does get like, I think the rule is kind of for every 100,000 followers, you get $1,000. So, you know, a, an advertiser would have to pay her $2,500 to advertise, you know, honey or a baking product or I don't know. I just, those are kind of the rules. And so she is making some money with that. But if anyone thinks she just snaps a picture of a cake and puts it on there, they are wrong. It is yes. lighting. And I mean, people don't realize know. that. Yeah. People no. don't realize the work, that, the work that just goes into post several times a day. There, there's a guy ah. that I follow that's, that's about, well, he's a, like a trainer guy. And, um, now, now I'm spacing out on his name, but anyway, he has a huge, he's, he's sold millions of books and he's got a massive following on all social media. And um, he, uh, one of the things he talks about is posting three times a day on, his, on like three different social media things. That oh. is a ton of work. And then once a week he does a video. His videos are like 10 minutes to a half hour and they're, they're self-help type videos. But I mean, that's a lot of work. And he started doing that on his own with absolutely no, you know, no support yes. whatsoever, just doing it. Because to me, well, yeah, I just, I'm not ready to post every day, three times a day and, and no, make it valuable. I have nine followers on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I'm exhausted. And I bought Hootsuite. You know, I don't know if it's one. Hootsuite is a tool that you can uh, post across all platforms. So you can hit the button. I want to post this to LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, my other Facebook page. You can do it all at once. Oh, okay. Nice. But then you'll get slapped on the hand by social media people saying, we well, don't post the same thing on Twitter as you do Instagram. And I was right. like, I can't take it. It's I just, so weird. I just need to win the lottery and hire somebody to do it. It's really bizarre. <laughs> See, I'm actually semi-retired. I lost my job uh, six, almost eight months ago now. And it turned out we, we don't actually need that job. So I, I've been slowly relaxing into this. Oh, I re really don't need to work. So that's even harder. It's like, I love doing this podcast, but to get the motivation up to, uh, to promote it and really put it out there is yes. like, okay, why do I, I mean, I don't need to do that. I, I <laughs> want to do it for my guests actually. I mean, more and more it's like, okay, 
I'm getting better and better guests. I'm getting, you know, more and more interesting people. So I, I do just for the people on the show, because to me, my show is about the people on it, not really about me, even though I talk a lot. I, it's, 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 you know, it's about the other people. I don't, um, I don't have as much to say. So I'm now thinking, I'm now starting to find ways to make it bigger. And it, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It takes a lot of work. It does take a lot of work. All right, Joel. It's our second talk. What do you think? It is our second talk. <laughs> and yeah, we should <laughs> we should probably go have uh, some coffee or something. I'm going to have some dinner. I really smell. see. I have cooking and now, it's funny because when you first got on, I said, how much time do you have? And you said, well, I don't want to do three hours. And we, <laughs> we've probably done two because we've done two I podcasts. I accident because my microphone is <laughs> failure. I'm so sorry. Light, slight snafu. <laughs> I still thought... The second podcast was every bit as good as the first. It was a lot <laughs> of fun. Even better. Even better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> so you've been listening to, were you still talking? No, I am done talking. This is Joel Albrecht, <laughs> and I have been with Amy Lyle. And uh, yeah, come back soon. I have many more amazing guests. And um, what else? I don't know what else. I, I'm working on my wrap up still. Oh, here it is. Be good to each other. I love that. Be good to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs>